And welcome back to another episode of the Blackwatch Report. I'm your host, Thorn Rain. With me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Kyle Wynn. How you doing this evening, sir? Pretty good. Feels like morning because I've been up for a good two hours. So it's, dude, I don't know what, like, today is versus, it's just... <laughs> dude, not going outside and, like, not working, like, a normal job is so weird. Because my sleep schedule is just is gone at this point, and so I like watched the matches last night to catch up on everything, get all my notes in, and then just like went to sleep. And then I'm up at like two o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, "Cool, I'm up now." So <laughs> it's dude, it's just so weird. But you know, like having a consistent thing to do is so good that like I okay now I can like force myself to wake up I have a reason to wake up and like do stuff and like actually hopefully that'll help my sleep schedule but yeah dude it's it's uh it's tough what about you (laughs) yeah and I'm the exact opposite I was like looking at the matches and what time they come on and I'm like oh man my TV program comes on and then I got to go to bed because I'm old and I got work in the morning. (laughs) So like, I didn't get to watch any of the matches last night. So I had to cram the, uh, winners or I'm sorry, the losers final and the grand finals in after my appointment before we started the show. That's why we started late. Mm. I literally wasn't able to watch the matches until like, I finished them like 25 minutes ago. <laughs> so uh, well, they're fresh in your mind now. That's the important thing. Yeah. Well, not going to lie. I was kind of dozing off on that, uh, <laughs> that uh, tier two drama alert versus drifters grand finals. Uh, Cause it was kind of a snooze fest and I worked bit. all day. So uh, I was, I was struggling through that one. But uh, other than that, my kid got his driver's license Ooh. and, now we're like trying to find cars and mm. all of that stuff. And I'm just thinking like, God, I'm old, man. Like <laughs> I got a kid who drives. I turned 38 today. I'm an ancient today. Yeah. Today, today is Your birthday my is today. Today is my 38th. I, I am like official boomer status. Like happy birthday, man. I'm, I'm old. And <laughs> I Dude, tr- I'm a I'm technically speaking an esports boomer, so that makes you esports grandpa. Like, yeah, because like 25 is too old to be like a a peak player, right? So yeah. like, I that's just that's eat your vegetables. I'm yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm extra old when it comes to esports, and uh, it definitely feels that way. Uh, we were talking pre-show. I I was excited. I was home alone Friday night. I'm like, dude, I'm going to stay up all night. I'm going to play Spellbreak because that game is addicting and it's awesome. I'm going to get in some Overwatch matches. I'm going to get this sweet Tracer skin. I was in bed by like 930. (laughs) Like, you know, typical Friday night for, you know, a 38-year-old. It's it's terrible. Uh, But we're not here to talk about adult diapers and knee rubs uh, for the old boomer man on the show. Uh, Let's get down into the news. I'm going to start us off tonight, but as always, uh, news brought to you by our patrons. Head over to patreon.com slash blackwatch report. Sign up at the $2 level. You can sponsor our news. Tonight's sponsor is Mr. Shrug off. Thank you so much. So this first bit of news here, scene news. It's something that we've talked to Dan 
DJ Smoltz McHugh McHuff. I always mess up his last name. I think it's McHugh, but yeah. McHugh. Uh, <laughs> I I just know him as Tier Two Dan, and yeah, we'll get into Dan. that in a little bit later. But yeah, he's Pretty just funny. Tier Two Dan to most people, apparently. <laughs> um, but we've talked to him about this a couple times because they had mentioned in a couple of their uh, uh, press releases earlier on that they were trying to figure out ways to incorporate the path to pro into third party tournaments. And we're actually getting our first little bit of that happening. Um, Elo hell esports has their uh, trial of champions uh, tournament series that they do every once in a while. And it's for open division teams and it's a decent prize pool. But this time around, we got some additions, uh, $3,000 prize pool uh, for the top three teams, uh, that money is being sponsored by Blizzard, along with two final opportunities to get seeded into um, the next Contenders trial starting in late October. So this is outside of Open Division, which is the only was the only way to get into trials. Uh, you're now going to be able to play in Open and the Trial of Champions to try to secure one of those spots going in. Uh, this event is going to start October 12th, going to run through the 25th. Um, but they got some really cool things here. They got, like, challenges. Every team can t- nominate a player to re- represent their team in the Ultimate Gun Game Arena. Like, so there's going to be a lot of fun things going on. This kind of seems like one of those tournaments that you're going to get a lot of fan interaction on simply because they're going to be doing a lot more fun things outside of just the regular tournament matches. Um, I mean, there's a logo tournament. Um, Something that I did find interesting. I don't think it's in this press release I'm reading. Um, 64 teams. Let me just double check. Make sure that that's correct. Yeah, 64 teams are going to be accepted into this tournament. Uh, just because your team signs up doesn't mean that you're going to get uh, selected to be one of the 64. It said something along the lines of they're going to look at like past results, um, player eligibility, a bunch of things. So I have a feeling that the staff over at Elo Hell Esports, um, they kind of know what they're doing. They kind of know a lot of the open division and trials teams. So they're going to try to pick out the top 64 teams to, you know, fight for this $3,000 in these two spots. So this might actually be a very worthwhile uh, tournament to watch. Pretty interested to catch this. Yeah, it is always cool to see different takes on getting players into these tournaments, like having not as lengthy of tournaments like um, Open Division, which previously was like, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks then playoffs is a huge thing the opportunity to have like a spot for kind of more i guess wild card opportunities i think is really cool to see mm-hmm. um should be exciting um but moving into kind of the more standard roster moves and stuff we have anger titans who add henningson and sir Majid from the ultimates um Henningsen was on, I think I remember him from HSL Esports, kind of in their recent moments. Um, I thought he was on like kind of the the higher, when they went to like playoffs and stuff, I think he was on that roster. Um, 
It was on World Cup as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He went with the HSL to the Gauntlet and won 2019 season two with them. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So he, he'd been with them for quite a while. Um, now he's going over to Anger Titans again, another team that's kind of starting to make a resurgence after being really, really good. Then having a huge drop off. I think they went to trials. Now they're like trying to get things back on track and do a bit better, which is always cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, both of these players came from the ultimates as well, which is another team that I'm not as familiar with. They have uh, a lot of uh, Middle Eastern talent that I, I know of, but a lot of those players, including Sir Majed, have left. Um, so interesting to see. And then staying over in EU, uh, Ex Oblivion uh, are going to be transitioning Renee, uh, one of their DPS players, over to a coaching role. And Vestala is going to be signing on to fill out that role. Um, just some internal moves, you know, shuffling stuff around. Um, didn't get any real news on why Renee was stepping away from playing and wanting to go more coaching, but we're kind of seeing that with. Um, a few players. I think we have another player coming up who had an LFT where he was looking for player or coaching. Um, I'd have to look for that again. I think I actually put that one on here. Yeah. Uh, and another big one. I think this was kind of the bigger of the news bits that we had mm-hmm. this last uh, week or so. Uh, it came last week on Monday. Um, Revival has picked up the entirety of the slept on roster that includes doge cowman track dynasty moser and carrots as well as the coaching staff of gods fact fiction and gm of baguette um so i think this was an interesting but really good move because we always talked about how phenomenal the branding and the organization of revival was but the roster was just not there dude um so it's good that we finally had like a better level roster. And I guess we'll talk about like how well this team performed um, or I guess didn't perform in contenders. So I guess maybe some things never change, um, but still, I think this roster does have more potential than um, the previous one did. So that'll be interesting to see, but I think it is good to see some kind of changes instead of having the, the same pieces in and out of uh, revival in the past. Uh, now to have a new roster with new potential, uh, new staff and stuff like that as well, that will hopefully um, bring some more wins because a lot of people have put a lot of time and effort into sponsoring and making the branding of this team really, really good. And it sucks to see some team with like so much support and uh, great work behind the scenes, just not have the performances that, that are expected. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to jump down and pull this last one up uh, mm. because it pertains to Revival. Um, after picking up uh, Doge and then their most, or I'm sorry, picking up Slept On and their most recent performance in the Contenders Tournament under Revival, uh, Doge has opted to leave Revival, uh, citing that he's been thinking about doing this for a while. Um I don't think there's really any um yeah there there's nothing saying that like he wants to he's LFT not really looking to do player coaching anything like that so not 100% sure exactly what Doge's plan is um oh wait nope 
There's an updated, yeah, uh, NAEU LFT Overwatch League and Contenders. Um, so just looking for general teams right now. Um, mm. But yeah, shortly after the uh, they got knocked out and it wasn't very far into the tournament, we'll talk about that here shortly, uh, that they got knocked out, that he decided that he was going to leave uh, Team Revival. So Yeah, and... Uh... Back on, I guess, regular ordering here. Um, Danye has come out of retirement. Danye was a player that was really uh, significant in the past for EU. I think he was at one point like one of the top prospected players. He was um, Paris. Oh yeah, he, he got up to Paris. Yeah, he went up to Paris for yeah. uh, the 2018 to 2019 season. Um, didn't have a great performance with them, but like was one of the best players that we saw out of EU. And after being dropped in uh, late 2019, went into retirement for a couple months, then as of today, uh, is listed as no longer retired and looking for opportunities. So I think he'll definitely have to like grind it out into contenders for a bit. Um, well, I guess he's looking for contenders specifically, um, which is good because... Like a, a player that didn't have a great standing in Overwatch League a year ago is probably gonna need to reprove their worth. So, um, I I'm excited to see if he's able to make the significant comeback. Um, I think he was one of the DPS players that was just burned by being in a goats meta, and like his talent was in um, things like the Genji and the Widow and stuff and and the Farah. And when he's just not able to play that, it's just uh, unfortunate. Yeah, and now we're seeing with the the goats tournament that just happened, a bunch of players saying how they miss goats. So yeah. it's it's hilarious how the the tables turn. Um, and then our last bit of news here: asking leaving Karasuno. Um, didn't see any word on if he was looking. Let me just double check his Twitter. Doesn't look like it. Uh yeah, just left Karasuno. Says he really enjoyed his time. Doesn't look like he's got any plans right now. At least he's not uh, posted the infamous Tier 2 LFT post yet. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens with uh, asking here. Yeah, I... He's a a top talent player that I just think doesn't have the... At least the the mental fortitude at the moment to continue as, you know much longer so i think he's going to continually come in and out of the scene and like come back on teams and stuff like that because he's a very talented player but as i think the narrative of dps players especially hitscan dps players having like being so subject to the mental boom um if the confidence is not there it just their game flips over and it just is different uh in like wholesale and so and then it being, seems like he's kind of dealing with the sometimes he's, you know, the best EPS in the region and other times it's just like, where is he? And like, that's just a, a tough thing that um, will kind of take a toll on your willpower to stay on a team or stay, you know, in a league. Yeah. And then also being on teams that have historically just floated at the top of trials, bottom of contenders, just kind of sitting in that, you know, those four positions that bounce between contenders and trials. Um, it's got to take a toll on you also. Just 
you try your hardest, but you just always are stuck in that one spot. So yeah, yeah it's it's kind of sad to see, but you know, sometimes people need a break. I mean, look at Donye. He's coming back now after like a year being gone, I think. Yeah, I think that that's a good kind of uh, time to take off. Like once you're in Overwatch League and like going back down and like regrinding your way back up, I think is really tough. But like taking a little bit of time to uh, evaluate if you want to continue with it. Yeah, I think that that's a very admirable thing to do. Yep. Um, And so hopefully... Hopefully it works out. I mean, he's a player that a lot of the the EU focused um, uh, casters will really talk up. At least in the past, have really talked up John Nays being a top level talent. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be able to find his way onto one of the like, top three or four EU teams, um, and hopefully continue the momentum or even do like a. Um, I've been watching a lot of basketball, so I've just got like analogies for basketball stuck in my head, like a LeBron James of the Cavaliers, and like just take a really struggling team and bring them up to you know a top six kind of top five four maybe three level um so hopefully he's able to find some success here um Definitely. but let's dive into these contenders matches we were waiting for so long it feels like for these matches to start um and we didn't get them until like a less than a week ago so towards the end of the month um so we had three weeks of like, what do it's, we do? When is these teams going to play? What is happening? I like the format of the tournaments for the weekend, but I think the one tournament a month is kind of too spread out at this point. So uh, hopefully we see something change for the 2020. So like we don't see anything change for this season because uh it's yeah, already like planned out left and yeah yeah that everything is one tournament one contenders tournament per month one trials tournament per month and then they run open division however they run open division so um i would like to see it go back to at least two a month do bi-weeklies like, I, yeah, either two or like just staggered every three weeks of having like a trials contenders off week, trials contenders off week or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And in the off week, you can do open division, you can do ELO hell tournaments, you can do um, wacky other, you know, friend tournaments. Uh, and, yeah, stuff like yeah. that would be good. Um, as well, the other reason I think that they had stuff this weekend was you're no longer fighting with the Overwatch League slot because Overwatch League is on this uh, pre-finals weeks, uh, I guess, break. And yeah, I think uh, we had playoffs lockdowns. playoffs in like the middle of the morning and we don't have, not playoffs, uh, All-Star in the middle of the morning for... Uh, Asia, and we have, I think, this next weekend. Yeah, this weekend. When there isn't up. a contenders match or anything like that, you've got the NA. So they're no longer like fighting with that slot. So they need to like push contenders to um, the weekdays. So it's it's nice to be able to have that, but still it screws up our schedule. And so we had to move uh, from Sunday to Monday because we would have had everything but like the grand finals to cover, which is not. We did the staggered thing for a while. We're, I don't want to do that anymore. No, it's that's just a, not. That's a pain. <laughs> well, talking like, about half of one week and half of <laughs> another week on an episode is super confusing. Yeah, uh, never a good idea. 
but also switching and it's a lot easier now because I, I don't have a consistent work schedule anymore that I need to constantly worry about. Uh, and it's late enough in the day for you to where like, as long as you don't have other stuff, like we're able to actually find the time to record, but like switching as often as we've had to in the past, uh, we, it's brutal to like have this inconsistent contender schedule. Um, and when they, went to this format we were looking at it and it's like oh the matches will be monday through friday we can yeah. record sunday with a recap yeah. and a look forward and it's it's perfect and except for the matches are sunday <laughs> yep except for the matches are sunday now and there's no telling what the october tournament is going to hold how that schedule is going to look so um, yeah, it depends on what the Overwatch League schedule looks like on how many weekends that they're going to take up with the finals and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, so if, if Contenders is late October, if the finals are um, earlier October, I forget when they start Grand Finals bracket, 8 Bro. to 10. So yeah, it'll probably be a, a similar schedule, so we may end up doing Mondays for the next couple of weeks as well. Um. Well, no, that's just the one weekend. October 8th. Right, but that means October the 10th. contenders will probably still do the weekends then as well, is what I'm oh, trying to figure out. Like, if yeah. So we don't we'll have contenders. Slots. If the finals was like later on in like the, the 25th or whatever of that month, uh, then we would likely have contenders go back to the original schedule yep. of monday through friday but since they don't have grand finals later in the month it's going to be uh more weird weekend games but speaking of weird weekend games let's get into this i guess these were the weekday games here yeah um if you want to cover the the winners first two rounds i'll cover the lower bracket and we can kind of go from there yep so finally odyssey falling after looking so good in their double shield meta, which I'll talk about that a little bit later on when we uh, uh, discuss some matches. Uh, fall to Team Doge two one. Karasuno lose out to Tier two, or I'm just gonna do it. T two Dan, like it's so much easier to do that. T uh, two hmm. Dan beat Karasuno two zero. Uh, Revival falling to Square one two one, and then Noble also losing to the Drifters two one. Yeah, that sent uh, Noble down into the lower bracket where they faced off Revival, took them out. So this is the new Revival that was previously slept on. Uh, the team slept on. I mean, they were also slept on a little bit, too. I don't know. Uh, and then Odyssey takes down Karasuno as well, moving up where... Um, did you cover second round? I completely missed that. No, you can cover the second round, and I'll take the lower. Okay. Uh, so then Team Doge in the upper bracket lost to tier two dan who are on an absolute tear thus far this would be in their fourth map in a row that they won without any losses and then drifters take the 2-1 victory against square one so that sets up team doge versus noble noble take this 2-1 uh square one still looking pretty good uh beat out odyssey 2-0 odyssey man they they completely turned around like yeah they're able to get the 2-0 on karasuno but did not look good against any of the other like top four teams that we were expecting to sit in the top four. Um, Noble then falls in the lower bracket round five. Or I'm sorry, round three uh, to square one, two, one, which sets up the upper bracket finals. We've got 
T2 Dan beating Drifters 2-1, and then I'll let you get the last two, Kyle. So that sent Drifters down to the lower bracket where they were able to uh, secure the salty run back by defeating Square 1-3-0, leading into our grand finals where T2 Dan kind of rolled them again. I think a little bit more definitive this time, uh, a 3-0 Tier 2 Dan over Drifters. Uh, Jumping into our predictions, something that should be noted is that um, we both had the same three teams, just in different orders. Um, I had Drifters coming first. I did not yet see the uh, Odyssey decline. I had them at second and Tier 2 Drama Alert as uh, third. Meanwhile, you actually successfully predicted the Tier 2 Drama Alert um, Royal Road essentially yeah they uh, they got the royal road yeah and did it undefeated i believe i don't think they lost them like they literally did open division i think they were undefeated there i believe they were undefeated in trials and now they're undefeated in contenders as well so i mean they dropped what one map in yeah. all of contenders so this team's smacking dude and we'll cover these but yeah you had um you had them at first and you had drifters third odyssey second so we both give Odyssey a bit more credit than they were able to get this time around, but um, that's pretty good that we were able to like both kind of see that there was value in this T2 Dan roster. Yeah. Um, and and the, the thing about Odyssey is, is I wasn't expecting them to, like, I figured with the meta change we would see a little bit of a lower, like, skill level come out. Um, but I didn't expect it to drop all the way down to, like, losing out in the losers round two, like, that bad. Yeah, I, w- I was I was definitely expecting it to, like, go, maybe they got knocked out in losers finals, or mm-hmm. maybe even losers round three, but, like, they got one match win, that's against Karasuno, who's not having a great time. I think they were, like, the lowest uh, rated out of trials, which is why they're picked, or no. No, they were ranked higher up. They were top four coming out of contenders, but like that was still pretty brutal. Uh, that they just did not have that success. Um, unfortunately, we're not able to cover every single one of these games. We would have just been talking forever and like, uh, watching all of these matches is kind of tricky. And like um, I said, I'm old. Like I don't got that much time in the day. Yeah, and so we're not able to cover like why did Odyssey lose to Square One in losers round two? Um. But some of the things that we did notice is that when I think the hog is still pretty powerful in this particular meta, I think this is the previous patch that they're playing on, not yet updated because the patch came kind of in the middle of the season um, for them. And so as we'll talk about here with, uh, I guess we can kind of hop into the winner's finals with this. Yeah. Tier 2 Dan with Frill uh, going under the name Shapeshifter. He's changed his name like seven times. Yeah. And it's uh, kind of annoying, but you know what? You just gotta you gotta stick with it here. So he's uh, yeah playing under Shape or Shapeshifter. Previously known as uh, Frill, Sit, Draconis, Caselayer, Beowulf, and Shapeshifter. So, holy crap, dude. Corey, let's, let's set on something here. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> But he's been running the hog, and I think I mentioned a little bit later, but man, this is 
his bread and butter. Like he was a, a DPS player in the past, I believe. Yep. Um, and then kind of transitioned to the main tank. I, I think when Second Wind was just like they needed a main tank, and Frills like, yeah. all right, when I'll do he, it. When he transitioned, when the second iteration of Goats kind of didn't go anywhere. Second win lost. Uh, oh god, which tank was it? They had two tanks get signed up to, I believe, oh. Toronto. Uh, who was it? Why am I not seeing it? it? There's so many people in this roster. Yeah, there's oh my god, second win had every people. player ever. Uh. Not barbecue, not shredlock. I don't think shredlock. This is before shredlock. I think. No, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Oh, uh, no, that's just shredlock. I'm 37. Yeah, maybe it was At, uh, 25. Eight. Yeah, no, it was, it was after shredlock got called up to Titans. Um, he ended up swapping from DPS to the main tank role. Played with them, uh, for quite a while up until. All right, no, for literally a month and a half. Okay, whatever. Yeah, this this year has been absolutely confusing, but okay. Um, but then for him to I think, switch to the tank and find yeah. a lot of success on the tank and then stay tank, yeah. that's the and crazy part. Now he's been rewarded for that by now you get to play Roadhog, which uh, and I ball. guess, what, two years ago? Yeah, and Ball, which two years ago, Roadhog was your DPS plank. You had... Uh, a lot of the DPS players play with that. I think you had like Agilities and Taimu and I uh, can't remember any other ones. Um, I think Sabiobi, I think, was also, or Birdering. A lot of those players like ended up playing the Roadhog back in like early, early Overwatch. And so now the previous players who played DPS now have that uh, back pocket hog. And so he's really been solid on that. Um, but... I think, yeah, this was like one of the main reasons they were able to do so well is that um, Frill was able to play this Roadhog here. Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure how he pulled it off, but they called it out on the cast, and I watched it twice, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that fight was still inside of the Transcendence, but... Uh, shapeshifter, frill, whatever you want to call him, was able to hook and one-shot him, pretty sure still in the Transcendence. It was one of the most, like, insane things to watch him just spin, hook, shot, melee, and the trans like, you could see the Transcendence, like, light bubble. And it's like, mm -hmm. how... how how did you do that? That's not supposed yeah. to happen. <laughs> so that's tricky because I know that like, obviously the, the Zenyatta is completely immortal while doing the transcendence, but I think the healing is, it's just incredible healing over time. Uh, I think it's like a couple hundred a second. I think it's like 500 a second or something like that. So as long as you're able to burst that heavily, like I think a widow can still one shot headshot in other people in the transcendence. Um, but it just prevents damage like a Diva or like a Reinhardt or a Zarya that's, you know, more consistent damage. It prevents that. But if you get a hook and a one-shot Roadhog uh, combo, I think that does enough to uh, one-shot somebody. Yeah. Um, and then... 
Cucumber does get a huge pick on to Decod. Like, they were almost full held on Hollywood first, but then... And this is... Cucumber is a play that literally came from Ladder. Like, no previous history, no info. Um, from what we've understood is that he literally just was found by Frill on the Ladder and was like, yo, do you want to play on a team with me? And he's like... He's getting into that list of, like, players that if they maintain this level of performance over a extended period of time may actually be like able to speed run contenders and get an overwatch league spot. Um, I mean, probably not starting, but as a developmental player kind of um, behind someone more experienced, I think it's entirely possible um, and doing things like getting key picks to open up maps where you're previously going to be full held, I think is a great first step in that direction of um, you know, making your your path to uh, a contract, basically. And then, oh, you have a note on that, actually. Um, yeah, just real quick on Speed Elite. Uh, in, in this match specifically, uh, Speed Elite playing the Echo, um, he has such smart duplicates. He knows exactly when it's best to duplicate the Sombra and go for the quick EMPs. He knows when it's best to get frontline disruption by switching to uh, the Winston and building up the primals and throwing people around out of uh, healing. Um, We saw him uh, do a couple really good hog plays. Um, There was like two or three times where he took the Tracer uh, duplicate and then just went in the back line and harassed the supports of drifters, uh, causing deaths on the front line because they had to run from speedily on the tracer. So he's one of those players that knows exactly how to use the echo for basically every possible situation that the team fight needs. Um, and just it, it showcased in this match specifically um, his decision making and quick plays uh on the the echo which was really really awesome to watch yeah and something that i think it might have been him it might have been someone else but i I noticed there was an anna duplicate which was an interesting like normally most people thought to not go for that because you're obviously more vulnerable but, but if you're able to get that nano boost i believe the nano boost sticks on someone even after if you're able to get that nano boost off once it's on like your uh roadhog or your winston or whatever even if you get knocked out of that duplicate, that uh, nano still stays on and is able to get value after the ultimate, the initial ultimate was used, which I think is really huge. Um, and like an interesting thing that like most times people just pick the tank, you usually go for the Winston and then maybe you can get like a couple of good bit of damage and then get a primal rage going. Um, but it, it is interesting to see all these different picks like you mentioned sometimes going for the winston sometimes going for the hog the tracer the sombra um and kind of tailoring who he duplicates as to what the team needs at that particular moment uh on the flip side here uh Fi has like a pretty good game here on the tracer i think uh, the tracer is kind of his bread and butter hero um really doing huge pulse bombs uh, specifically focusing wub and uh, I think OG on the Mercy a mm. lot, uh, specifically Hollywood defense and Hanamura first on their attack um, really was 
trying to kind of solo carry these um, seemingly lost maps. Or actually lost maps. I think they lost both of those. Um, yeah, they only won Busan. Yeah. And so he was really trying to do as much work as possible, but when it came time to switch off and play something else, it just was not the same level, unfortunately. Yeah, he was the whole reason that Drifters opened up Hanamura uh, first point on their attack with a huge 4K pulse bomb, um, actually getting a total of a 5K, almost ended up with, it was funny because uh, uh, Rose called it uh, the ace. Uh, yeah, they stole his ace. <laughs> they stole his ace. Um, he was so close to getting you know a full team kill on the tracer there. Um yeah, man, Fi is when he's on, he he plays out of his mind. We've seen him absolutely decimate teams, but when it comes to T two Dan, man, he has a problem getting the same type of performance uh, that we've seen him get against other teams. Yeah, Fi is a player that I think has great potential. Um, if you want to just play him as a Tracer Specialist, you can, but I don't think you're really able to do that anymore. Tracer's not in the spot where you can run her on every point in a map. Um, and so when it came time for him to play these other picks, like the Widow, like the the Ash, um, stuff like that, it just was not the same level. And so if uh, Tracer becomes a... a mainstay again or he's able to get those other picks up to that same level he could be an overwatch league caliber player but at the moment um only his tracer is really top notch and it's about getting those kind of other picks up to a uh a similar level before he's really able to i think be considered uh overwatch league caliber um one other kind of final note on this particular matchup was decod kind of dance between going with the hog 1v1 matchup and trying to run a ball or a Winston or something else into it. And it seemed like either way it didn't work. Um, he was doing incredibly well against square one in the losers finals we'll talk about. Um, but just up against Frill, like with Frill basically running the, the road hog, like, I don't know, 85% of the time. It just made Decod's life just not fun. So no. that was a, a bit rough to see. Um, but as I previously mentioned, knocking uh, in this loss, Drifters down to lower bracket finals where they faced off against Square One. Really only one note here for Square One because they did get 3-0'd. Um, King was really... Uh, I guess this was good heads-up play for him in understanding that Fi was on the Widow pick and could be uh, pivotal in Route 66. But King was on the Sombra and literally just hacked him and just shot at him. So forcing the entire enemy backline to turn around and look at him and negating the effectiveness of Fi's Widow, I think was pretty big. Um, but ultimately, it just didn't do enough because... Fi is not the sole hyper carry of this team. Yeah. And then while King was doing very well on Sombra, um they had a mistimed EMP uh Diva Bomb that it had it been set up and timed properly, 
Um, they probably would have flipped the point and won it because I think it was late in the round. Um, but the the EMP came in a little, or no, I'm sorry, the EMP was timed properly. The diva bomb came in a little too late. Um, so it's kind of a little bit rough there. Um, and then my only other note for square one here is unfortunately a sad one for Angelic because in the final fight on King's Row, um, they're getting ready to re-engage Angelic's on the Lucio. And before the engagement even starts, he just falls off of the map. No, like it was just him dying to fault to environmental. So, uh, don't know if he was wall riding and missed his jump what it was because it was off camera but you look up in the kill feed and it's just yep there's your uh there's your main support going off the map so uh have fun in the 5v6 in the final fight of the map so um tough times for square one there yeah and um with this one uh for drifters on route 66 specifically the square one is holding in the train car on the first point on like the really aggressive defense and they kind of got super punished by that i don't know if this was previous like match spot uh scouting in that like either the coach or the players noticed from scrims or whatever that they like to hold the train car but boy were drifters prepared for it they may up there um, got everyone in position to just do damage. They had the Farah as well, I think, at the start, and just shot in the train car and just did mm. incredible damage. Um, and I think that was pretty strong, uh, specifically on like the start of Route 66. But towards the end, we saw Fi real. I mean, for most of this map, he just had a heck of a time trying to get value. Uh, Razor was doing a lot of great work on the Farah for the first two points. Um, but really, they kind of ran into a wall. Fi had two fights where he just died kind of unnecessarily. I think both times to a Reinhardt charge, um, which was really tough. Um, and it, it's, it's, I don't know, like that. It's just one of those things where, like, you could tell that they were, like, ready to go in this fight and then. Uh, Milky Man just charges and gets just like a random kill onto uh, a hero that has two escape abilities essentially or two like anti-CC abilities to get out of that uh, and getting picked in fights I think he had Death Blossom in at least one of those fights as well and so like that's just brutal and uh, really rough to see and kind of started the snowball of him not having a good day on this uh, I think this was Sunday um, both in these losers finals and in the grand finals. Yeah. Uh, and do you have uh, a note above? Actually, I got to skipped over it. Yeah, no, you're you're fine because this is more of a a team slash uh, support line uh, shout out here. The amount of team fights that Drifter should have lost because. King landed a four or five person EMP was absolutely nuts because if it wasn't Harui, I would think that's how you say the name. I will butcher that. Uh, Harui. That's close enough. Harui. I think. Yeah. Um, was either phasing out and then popping coalescence or just spam healing, 
uh, after the EMP or Zolik was hitting um, Sound Barrier. There were so many times that they should have lost these fights because the majority of the team had no abilities online. Um, Drifters were just able to either disengage just enough or their supports were smart enough to uh, use one of their abilities to get out of line of sight, um, get Harui using fade during an EMP to you know avoid it. Drifters were playing square one essentially perfectly when it came to countering out the EMPs. There was a couple big EMPs that got through, but it was it was a lot of team coordination and uh, support line doing their jobs properly to prevent mm-hmm. like they they should have lost they could have lost a couple maps probably to square one just based off of King's EMPs because most other teams would have crumbled in team kills uh, with that many people getting EMP'd, but they were able to fight through it, which was really nice to watch. Yeah, and I think like one of my, I I think out of this moment, if you want to watch like some of this match into 30 seconds, um, there's a particular clip at the start of King's Row on Drifter's attack, uh, they get, I think that's a, maybe a fight or so worth of kind of in the neutral fight. Um, no ults yet. You've got Razor on the Sombra, Decod on the Reinhardt. Both have ultimates. You've got within, I don't know, maybe a half a second, maybe less. You've got the EMP Urshatter combo coming and getting just infinite value. Um, just and like the timing was so flawless too. Like I think both of them started at like the same time, uh, and so by the time the Earth Shatter hit, the EMP had just gotten everyone, and so it was just a huge pick. And then on the flip side of that, <laughs> you had Zolik, who they were gonna like the exact same thing was gonna happen. They're gonna e- get EMP'd and then shatter, but Zolik had just perfect positioning right around the corner. As soon as the same thing came out, uh, I think they got EMP'd, they got shattered, and then Beat came literally, like, right after and completely negated that. So it's it's just great play of, like, um, a great offensive play leading into a great defensive play and being able to, um, I guess, like, hit the one-two punch and then hit the big dodge on the uh, big hook, you know? Um but then it's it did seem like there was just a, a significant difference between the coordination, specifically the main tank here. Yeah, uh, between these two teams, Decod. This whole time, like we got to see both Milky Man and Decod playing Reinhardt quite a bit this series. Uh, Decod outclasses Milky Man basically at every point. Um, like you said, Milky Man tried to do the EMP Shatter combo. It was countered with the beat. Um, that one EMP shatter combo that you talk about was the one of four, I think I counted, that were successful through this series, through King's Row. Just on King's Row, we saw four EMP shatter combos pulled off almost flawlessly all four times. The first one was perfect, and then I think all of the other ones got uh, between four and five. Uh, but Decod was literally on fire. This is why we always talk up Decod as to if you're 
Overwatch League team needs a main tank, whether it's a backup main tank or a starting main tank, DCOD can be there because it, the other teams were even saying that DCOD was like the mother duck with her little ducklings. He pulls them along to be better because he sets up such huge plays based off of his uh the space he provides the um the cc that he is is capable of doing on multiple tanks um but yeah just in this this matchup specifically uh decod was the better main tank in the series uh i love watching him play reinhardt it's so good uh, and then moving into the grand finals here, this was a quick one. I, I do want to look at like where it went wrong specifically. Um, we we kind of previewed it before with Phi having a really rough go of things, specifically in Route 66, and then um, getting really hard countered by King on Sombra. And again, it just really continued here. Um, he went for the Widow pick and got destroyed by both speedily on the Echo and OG on the Lucio on Lighthouse and the Mercy, like three different things that he should all be killing. I believe um, instead killing him quicker. And that was always kind of rough that he got like no big kills and he only got one kill in a losing fight on ruins as well. So he just kind of was essentially completely negated and just zero impact during this matchup. On the flip side, um, Wub ends up playing the Ash and ends up outwidowing him as well, um, which is a big part of it. Wub on the on the Ash has been really huge these games. You've got OG who's playing a lot of Mercy, who's hard pocketing him, um, getting huge damage on the Dynamites as well as just hitting big shots as well. And with that Mercy damage boost, it's just I think you can. Um, I think he had a one shot headshot with the damage boost on like a 250 HP target. So I think it's like he's just finding really, really good value on that. And they're playing around their strengths really well is T2 Dan. Um, as well, I mentioned before, Frill on the hog, man. Like it's it's a presence thing. Like he is kind of the the spiritual leader of this team. You can tell, like, I think he's the one who built this team. Um, out of game obviously but also in game he seems to just like lead you know lead by example and like is not all right guys i'm gonna hold up a shield while you guys do all these kills it's like okay i'm gonna get this kill we're gonna focus this guy together and like he's kind of leading by example which i think is huge here um making decod's life a living hell with the ball and winston picks just getting hooked and destroyed yeah and when we first looked at this team when they came out of open division and went into trials, we were looking at it and we were like, okay, we've got, you know, speedily, we've got Wub, we've got uh, Hydron, DPS line, solid. You know, we've got OG and Ultraviolet, fantastic support line. And then yeah. we were like, Shapeshifter and Cucumber, who... Who, yeah, are these, we're like, who are these guys? I think we mentioned like two-thirds of this roster is like top contenders level. Uh, and we, I guess now that we knew that Shapeshifter is Frill, like Frill was always a pretty you know, like top good. three, top four, but yeah. like still a top level despite being at DPS for like three years beforehand. Yeah. Um, being a, a top level 
player now and cucumber has I, like i mentioned before he has shown to be obviously like he's not like a top level player right now but he's shown signs of that and i think where it comes to him being considered a top level player is if he's able to kind of continue these same high impact plays yeah. and able to play things beyond the diva i think he played almost exclusively diva this uh matchup and so yeah. seeing how they do in like a double shield if he needs to run sigma or running a Ryan Zarya, I think that's where I've, you start to understand whether or not he is a uh, a player that you can kind of give those Overwatch League tryouts and uh, consider for a call up. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah, basically all of our questions, like it was especially once we figured out shape was frill, that relieved a lot of our questions. But after watching this, I would put skill wise, like in in it's the team environment. Uh, Cucumber and Shape fit equally with the DPS, the skill level of the DPS line and the skill level of the support line. Um, And it kind of showed when other teams were talking about him, whether it was on social media or it was on uh, some of the YouTube segments uh, for contenders. A lot of these teams that were used to hearing talk trash we're actively talking about wanting to avoid T2 because they were unpredictable. They liked to play things that were a little bit more difficult to counter, but if you could master them, they were good. Um, This is a team that, like Frill had said in one of the interviews, everybody but him is like underage, so they're not getting picked up by an Overwatch League team anytime soon. Um this team stays together. They're going to be a scary team for a long yeah. time. And I'm here for it. Like bring the drama. Like this is, this is good stuff. Yeah. And then kind of my last big note here is that speedily. I mean, we knew him as like a, a Genji, like top level player and contenders back on XL two. And then the doom fist that he was able to play was probably top in contenders at the moment. Now he's got like the third like top level pick when the echo is in play. Um, King's Row, he basically just solo carries all of the second point once they cap first. Um, gets a huge dagger pick on a razor and they basically get all the way from the archway at the start of the streets phase all the way to the end, basically right where the checkpoint is at the end of the streets phase. Just because Razor on the Sombra got caught out, um, translocated, speedily saw where the translocator was, followed him, hit him with the stickies, uh, and I think lasered him down afterwards, and you just can't take the 6v5 fight as drifters and expect to do well and end up you know, getting snowballed and losing the checkpoint there at the end. So I, I think he's ab- absolutely incredible play from him, and... Um, again, just he's too young to really be considered a, a Overwatch League pickup. Um, I mean, he literally cannot be uh, picked up at the moment. But if he continues at the same level, or, or even in, improves beyond this with more picks at the same level, he would be an absolute phenomenal player to be uh, considered in the future. Yep. And then uh, my last note here is we kind of talked about it. Uh, OG harassing Fi on Lucio, but specifically on Volskaya, uh, point to 
OG pops the Valk and then goes and searches out Fi on the flank and kills him with the Mercy pistol. <clears throat> Absolutely hilarious. Love the bloodthirsty Mercy. And then <laughs> proceeds to, in the uh, post-match interview, because he was the interview, uh, trash talk Odyssey as being a double shield one-trick team. And they... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was... It, it's pretty good, pretty spot on. Uh, and then somebody had, uh, I think it was uh, Herix had said that, oh, there was a treasure chest behind him to put all of his winnings in. And he turned around and looked over his shoulder and he said, nope, that's the coffin for the drifters. <laughs> okay. Fantastic, OG. I love the trash talk. Uh, the whole team, like, frill in the uh, the seating show was phenomenal talking trash said they weren't going to drop a map they dropped the map he was asked about it after that matchup and he said we didn't have time to play warm-ups so that map was our warm-up mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll give them that you see yeah. what happened afterwards so yeah um definitely they're they're living up to their name bringing the drama and uh i dig it like yep. we, we need that. Let's let's throw some spice on these matches. The last little bit of stuff to talk about is just covering the contenders EU bracket. Um, we have not been able to cover as much contenders as we would have liked for EU and Korea. But what will we what what we will be doing in the coming weeks is doing um, kind of lookbacks at particularly like the grand finals matchup here, which I think is, is worth looking at. And yes. then maybe some Korean matches here in the future. Um, and really looking at uh, who the top talent is in these other regions, because as of a couple months ago, most of the best EU talent ended up going to NA and playing on NA teams, except you have one team who continues to just pound. And that is British hurricane. Um, starts out with a 2-0 victory over Shoes Money Crew EU. You've got Young and Beautiful taking down Angry Titans 2-0, Sheer Cold taking out Avoided 2-0, and Obey Alliance taking out Ex Oblivion 2-0. And then down in the losers, you've got Ex Oblivion falling to Avoided 2-0, Angry Titans getting knocked out in the first two matches, uh, Shoes Money Crew beating them 2-0, and then British Hurricane in the semis, doing British Hurricane things, 2-0 Young and Beautiful, and then Obey Alliance beating Sheer Cold 2-0. And Avoided kind of continuing a strong lower bracket run here, takes out Young and Beautiful 2-1. Sheer Cold, meanwhile, takes down Shoes Money Crew EU 2-1 as well, leading back to the salty first-round runback. Avoided takes down Sheer Cold, the team that knocked them into the lower bracket. Uh, and is able to make their way into the lower bracket finals where they faced off against the loser of the British Hurricane Obey Alliance matchup, which, uh, as you should come to expect at this point, British Hurricane was the winner, moved on to the grand finals, kicking Obey Alliance down into the loser's finals. Yeah, so avoided beating Obey Alliance, sending them to the grand finals against the British Hurricane, getting the full lower bracket run, um, phenomenal work. And then they proceed to go up 2-0 over the British Hurricane. Everybody on Discord was losing their mind. Twitter was going crazy. Cats and dogs were living together. It was insane. <laughs> and then British Hurricane was like, okay, we're done playing with our food. 
Um, not so much that it was close all the way through. Yeah. Uh, it went to the full uh, three on what was that? Nepal was the last one. Yeah. Um, went to the full three uh, map points. Um, man, this like I was I was watching it, but I wasn't because I was also doing stuff at the house. Um, and everything that I saw was absolute insanity. I'm looking forward to going back and rewatching this and actually breaking it down and taking a look at everything because Avoided was playing out of their mind the first two matches or first two maps. Um, kind of faltered on Temple of Anubis and Junkertown a little bit. And then while Nepal was 2 1, it was it was close. Like it was it was fun to watch. So um congratulations on British Hurricane doing British Hurricane things. I think they are officially the most winning contenders team at this point. I believe so. I mean, they have been technically undefeated throughout the last year. Um, I think the last time they won or lost a match was in May of 2019, and they got second. <laughs> yep, they lost to the British Hurricane. That's yeah. Or no? Oh, eight two. No, or no, no angry, was, uh... angry Titans. Yeah. I'm they are the British Hurricane. I'm an yeah. idiot. Uh, no, it was eight two was the last time they lost actually. Uh it just showed the previous matchup. Uh Angry Titans. That was yeah, five three, but then they got third, fourth, uh, against Giganti, who I think went on to win that. That was twenty nineteen season two, so that was a, a while ago. Uh and then they did not do well in the Atlantic showdown. So basically since um all of the 2020 season and the end of like breakable barriers eu they won that um contender seating won that and then all of the 2020 tournaments they have just been uh pretty dominant on thus far so including the really good win on the e uh emea regionals atlantic with the forfeit win yeah. over x oblivion which is my favorite one that, they just won by rules that whole debacle um, yeah, but I mean, I kind of said some things in discord, like, yes, they have the longest bracket or the longest winning streak. Now they have beat fusion university's record. Um, but are they playing the same level of talent now as what fusion was playing back then, back yeah. when we had Atlanta Academy we had uh envy slash before that it was yep. um envy we had second wind like we had some pretty pretty good teams um i think this was the first i mean they were good when you had i guess 2018 2019 like those were when before you had every good player like you had alarm who was playing in, in the lower you had crimson was playing in in the lower leagues you had um, sparkle you had all these top level players playing around in contenders um, and obviously we can't have as much inter-regional play um, I think they would still probably beat out most of the NA teams at the moment because mm. um, 
But like, I, I don't think that they would do. I, I think that the EU dominance has really kind of been curbed a bit, and British Hurricanes seem to be really the the major consistent performer. But all the other teams are really up and down. It seems like. Yep. Um. But it's and it's cool to watch the the streak continue, especially yeah. when it was that close to being broken. Like that was and like, stressful. And it's tough because you have these players who are playing absolutely incredibly uh, time and time and time and time again. Uh, Danid, Sparker, Hattie, Mulvig, Ripa, Kellex. Um, all incredible players, but uh, like they just won't have opportunities to get picked up by teams because everyone's in NA right now. All the EU teams, at least. Uh, and they're going to be trialing teams mostly in NA. And we've seen players who are just stuck in EU at the moment. Um, Kevster, Onigod, I think both have been playing still from EU. Uh, uh, not Shredlock. Uh, 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 Shockwave as well. Yep. Like a lot of these great DPS players are just playing on ping. And so they're going to have a tougher time with these strouts just because of where they're at at the moment and the lack of, um, I guess, and, and the increased forced region regionalization of uh, esports at the moment. Yeah, because it's we, just going to be a bit tough for them. We have two EU overwatch league teams that consist of i think a total of four eu players <laughs> yeah like, it so like i feel really bad for the eu teams because there is the only you know two spots there and uh they both uh paris in the early the first year was all you know regional it was all eu players um but then they realized that a mixed roster was the better way to go and then you know obviously London Spitfire having a full Korean team. So um, I don't, I highly doubt we'll see any teams added for the 2021 season. Um, But if by some random chance we do, hopefully EU sees a little bit of love and gets a couple more teams. Like that would be nice to see. At least having a couple of these players get called up as well. Um, Mm. I mean, Dude, there are so much just grandfathered in players from previous seasons um, that I think just you could rotate you, out. Yeah, like there's so much talent that I think has just been like ha- they peaked like stage one and two of season one. <laughs> like beyond that, like okay, well they're pretty good still. I mean they weren't terrible. Like no, you guys are like bottom half, like bottom third. Like start switching stuff out, please. Yeah. Um. Like, there's these players who have not lost a match in a year. Yeah. Consider them. Give yeah. them a spot. And I think that's I what feels the worst for the British Hurricane is like you have this academy team, which is doing phenomenal things in contenders. All of these players are great, but they'll never end up on the London team because London just isn't built to be a uh, mixed roster. Like, another team is going to have to pick these players up. Like, good on London for building this team to be able to sell players, but we're not seeing a whole lot of movement from EU contenders to the league because, like you said, all of the teams were in NA. It's easier to pull for NA. Um, Yeah, we... We should be getting ready to start uh, looking at kind of our top players that should be picked up. And, you know, early predictions, like we still have two months left of 
tournaments, I'm just going to say all of Hurricane. <laughs> like, you just put all of Hurricane on that list. Um, I think. Yeah, I looked I think, it up. I think there was one player who was not eligible to play. I believe that was Sparker. I think he is uh, 17 turning 18 in June. So he could be like a, a midseason age in pickup. Uh, somewhat similar to what Sparkle was, but yeah. uh, for the most part, like the rest of these players, I mean, two of them have already played in Overwatch League uh, in Ripa and Kellex, but Hattie, Mulfig, and Danit are all completely eligible at the moment. I think Danit has been on this team for two years almost, um, and has just had next level performances on so many different picks. So let's let's look at Danit here, people. Like let's let's start getting some uh, some trials and. Stop, you know, only considering other talent that you've just, you know, swap around who've already played in Overwatch League and not had good performances as of lately. So, yep, definitely. But for this week, I think that's everything. So yeah. Kyle, where can they find you on the internet when you're not sleeping? When I'm not sleeping uh, in the middle of the day, when I'm up in the middle of the night, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle the Winner. Um, that's really about it. I mean, don't do the Twitch thing. I've, I've thought about going back. I'm like, eh, I just don't enjoy it. So, um, yeah, you can just hang out uh, in the Discord as well. That's kind of where we're chatting about stuff. Uh, we got lots of shows happening. Uh, you just had the Owlies come out. I think they're still doing it uh, I think they're still for recording, the High Noon yeah. guys. Uh, but you've got lots of interesting stuff coming up. We're going to be doing... Like I said, the next two weeks or so, we're probably going to end up covering other regions, and then we're going to try to get our Blackwatch's most wanted list uh, up here pretty soon, right in time for the uh, trade season that comes right after these grand finals here. So it yep. should be exciting. We're starting to see a lot of the staff changes happening now for Overwatch League, um, and maybe we can start chatting about... Um, staff pickups as well as well something else uh, news that i wanted to bring up uh our, our good buddy chu finally uh oh yeah landed on a place he's now the valorant head coach in uh, uh for cloud nine. nine which is awesome uh coach or uh, i guess uh working with uh, nuki who's the c9 gm over there who's also the uh gm of british hurricane so um good for chu to find a, a spot moving over to valorant so we wish him the best of luck there um i absolutely believe he's uh, the possible person to get cloud9's valorant team up to top level um they've been having incredibly a little bit of issues haven't they i haven't kept up with i mean cloud they've 9. been they, they were really good they have a lot of potential but i think they just needed some extra push and with the way it's believed is that she was a really good uh talent talent developer and uh systems kind of guy and then they have another coach who's gonna be much more like he's a cs guy and he's like gonna know the cs stuff a little bit more but meanwhile like how to create a good team environment how to develop talent how to facilitate good communication and uh practice and uh stuff like that that that'll be choose doing and i think he's gonna do uh really good things with them so excited for him uh in that world so congrats chew uh hope you're doing well uh look forward to i gotta now kind of half root for cloud nine so that's yep. gonna be interesting yep got got the the uh the old black watch alum in there so definitely gonna mm -hmm. keep an eye on them 
So yeah, while Kyle's over there on the real gamer hours, I'm on the boomer hours. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Thorn Rain. Um, I think I'm gonna like format my computer because on everything I've seen, all of my stuff should be able to handle me streaming a lot of the games I want to play that mm-hmm. aren't being mm-hmm. able to be streamed. So I think I just need to just wipe it and just start fresh and call my internet provider and say, hey, fix my internet. <laughs> but uh, if I do stream, which I, I want to try to start streaming some Spellbreak um, because I'm still having a lot of fun with that. Uh, Stone Shaper Pyromancer, baby. Uh, I mm, dig it. Good combo. It's, it's, good combo. it's a lot of fun. Um I do all of that streaming right here on this Twitch channel. Uh, you can find the show, or I'm jumping ahead. If you are an audio listener, swing over to the Twitch channel, hit that follow button. We do appreciate it. We'll give you a shout out. Uh, if you happen to have Amazon Prime, that means you have Twitch Gaming Prime subscriber thing. I don't know what it's called anymore. Uh, hit the sub button. We are affiliates. It helps out the show. But if you want to help out for free, leave us a review. We'd like to hear from you guys. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you guys like, what you don't. Um, we will read that live on the show. We do really appreciate those. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Blackwatch Report. No own that report. And email the show, blackwatchreport at gmail.com. Follow the show over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash blackwatchreport. Record live typically sundays we'll have to see going forward uh 6 p.m eastern and our intro music an original piece by our own mr kyle Wynn, has been a high noon production you can find all of our shows over at highnoonpodcast.com and come and chat with all of the hosts from the shows on that discord that kyle was talking about at discord.me slash high noon podcast and with that black watch out